0: Welcome to the show, coming to you today from London and from New York, where my guests are Stuart Haber and Scott Stornetta. Their work in creating a mechanism to ensure the security of digital documents was a key contribution to the ideas in the Bitcoin white paper. Indeed, they've been called the inventors of blockchain. Gentlemen, thank you very much for doing this show. Pleasure to be here. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. I'd like to start by just asking about the work that you were doing that is mentioned in the white paper. You were both colleagues at Bellcore Labs, and that was a rather special place for scientists in terms of the freedom that you had, I think, to pursue your individual interests. Uh, Scott, perhaps you could just tell me a little bit about that.
1: Sure, why don't I say a word or two and then Stuart can fix the mistakes I make. (laughs) Um, uh, What astonished me about, uh, obviously there was, when I first showed up there, just freshly minted PhD, there was the whole aura of the Bell Labs legacy. But what astonished me was I sat down with my erstwhile manager and he said, "Uh, my advice to you is to take six months off and think about what are important problems and what you should work on and if you can imagine getting a job where your first command if you will from your manager is to take six months off and do whatever you think is important that i think typifies what that place felt like it was an amazing place
0: did
2: you get the same invitation Stuart? Not explicitly in so many words, but it was pretty clear that if um, you jabbed your elbow a little bit here and there, you had as much elbow room as you wanted.
0: So let's get down to the the problem that you fixed on, that you decided after your six months of contemplation would be worth your time to study. And that was to do well, in with... Fact,
2: in fact, it was r- sooner than that. It I was, mean, Scott... Yeah. Uh, uh so I was already Bell Carr. I'd gotten there a year and a half or so beforehand and um Scott and I had met the previous uh um job season uh, late late spring early summer when he came out to interview and when he got there he said he walked down the hall or found his way down the hall it's a, they were actually um the rooms in this building actually had a weird sort of pol- um polar coordinates notation so it took a while. It took me two weeks to remember how to get to my office from the bathroom or, or, or the other way around. But in any case, Scott found his way to my door uh, very soon after getting there and uh, said, I've got a problem we might think about. Yeah, so this was
1: definitely during that six-month window. And again, um, I, I know that history is often revisionist, but the way I remember it at the time was that i was obsessed with this problem but had no clue how to solve it because my degree was in physics i was sure that cryptology was you know was where the the solution lay but i knew nothing about cryptology
0: just what was the problem you were interested in
1: the way i would put it and we each would put it a slightly different way is how do we create immutable records how do we create digital records that in and of themselves, intrinsically, you can know that they haven't been altered, that they are the original.
0: And that was because the, the problem that it's so easy to copy and paste digitally. So easy to copy, alter
1: and paste.
0: And so uh, the, the the various papers that you wrote in uh, describing the solution that you came up to with for this problem... Uh, three of them found their way into the Bitcoin white paper, and the first of them was called "How to Timestamp a Digital Document," and that was from 1991. So, um, Stuart, perhaps you could just give me a brief précis of the, the thinking there in that in that first paper. Well, okay,
2: sure. So, in fact, um, it was uh, published in 91, but that was uh, we 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 presented it at a conference called. Uh, at, at, called crypto in 19, summer 1990 that was the that was then um, and still is now uh some decades later the probably the premier t- uh technical conference in the field of crypto, which we took to mean cryptography or cryptology. Um, the word cryptocurrency uh did not come into um, common use until quite a bit later. So the, um, but the title of the paper, "How to Timestamp a Digital Document," is just a restatement of how how Scott just phrased the problem. That is, you want to because we're in the world of algorithms and bits. More or less, if if, think about it a a moment, the only sensible way you um, could timestamp a digital file. I mean, it's not like a piece of you know. A piece of paper you can take out and, and do something to the physical paper. The only sensible thing is to craft a system where there's a way to, as it were, register or certify a file. The result of that process has to be an additional file of some kind. We, we called it a timestamp certificate, but you could also call it a proof of registration And then the third part of the system is that there has to be a a way of checking these things. So, given a file and a certificate, you can check. There's a checking procedure that says yes or no, true or false. One bit is this, in fact, a a valid certificate for for the assertion that this file existed in the world at this
0: time. And Scott, I think you have said that when you were writing this paper, you actually thought that there wasn't a solution to this problem and that you were trying to provide a very elegant explanation as to why that was the case. T- tell me about that.
1: Yes. I, yeah, I think you've captured that very well. So um, we, Stuart and I worked on this problem for a while and we came up with a, a reasonable solution, but it still required you to trust someone. There had to be an authority. And I said, you know, this is good, but not good enough. We need to find a way to remove the, any, any sort of central authority. And so we work on this for a while. And finally, remembering that Stuart is sort of the adult in the room. He'd been there longer than me. Uh, he actually knew about cryptology. Finally, Stuart sort of pulls me aside and says, Scott, I don't think it's possible to solve this problem, but it would be great to still get a publication out. So why don't we write a proof that you can't remove the need to trust someone. And so it was actually in the context of working out that proof that we realized that the proof that it couldn't be done could, and I'm waving my hands, sort of be inverted to prove how to do it. And that was a a singular moment, at least in my life. I felt like i you know, actually justified all those years. Of were,
0: you, were you together Was this, for this eureka moment or how did that work?
1: Well, again, you know, we were working on a routine basis day after day after day. And so to me, the together apart, uh, you know, it's like each day you come in and you have some new ideas from the night before and you say, I just want to put this in the back of your mind so that the two of us are thinking about it. But for me, there was actually a, a eureka moment that a, a story that I, I like to tell. Uh, and that was, um, after one day where Stuart and I were working out the thing, my wife and I and my wife had been at home with two small children. We decided to go out to dinner so that she didn't have to cook and we could ignore the house. And so we're, we're waiting in line at this restaurant, not, not a real upscale place, just sort of a, ordinary middle-class restaurant i'm reviewing the proof in my mind and the proof sort of went like this um look if two people are trying to prove something but they collude then you need a third person to look over their shoulder but what if they draw that person into the collusion well then you need a fourth person and so on and so forth and as a result we were trying to prove the absurdity of the fact that You had to eventually uh, trust someone. And phrasing it that way, I I realized that, you know, the collusion would have to involve everyone in the world. And then I realized that if you turned that upside down and created a system of interlinked documents with essentially
0: everyone as a witness, then you had, in fact, solved the problem. And so, Stuart, what, what, what do we actually mean by everyone as a witness in that context then?
2: Well, um, (laughs) that's a nice segue into, um, but first I'll say, I'll say something else, but before I, um, answer your question directly, (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll get there, I promise. But the, um, the, um, the difficulty of, of proving that a, um, a three-part set of algorithms of, of, of the sort of the, the way I just summarized it, a certification procedure, which returns a proof of certification, mm-hmm. proof of, ver- of, um, of, of registration. That's probably a better word. And then a, a validation procedure that, um, um, could not be falsified. It's hard to reason about. It's almost impossible in mathematical reasoning about algorithms to prove anything is hard to do. It, in order to be at all precise about something like that, you need to be able to, um, Characterize which operations are even possible, another way of phrasing Scott's insight about um, bringing in lots of witnesses and so on is that, in fact, time is a social construct. You know we um I came here five minutes to uh, five minutes late to this meeting because you know i was I was late on the subway in, uh, um, on on the way uptown here. Now we can write down what time it is. We exchanged several emails about uh, when we're going to um, talk to you. But the um, the link is to a social construct, social um the
1: social We've all world. agreed what 12 noon means.
0: Yes. and And your system basically wraps up a time that is agreed around the world with a particular yes. piece of content to create something new that is unique. I think, would that be a way of putting it?
2: Yes, there was... Quite a bit of discussion in our, um, appearance on stage, uh, um, yesterday about the, our use of, um, what are called one-way hash functions. A one-way hash function is a way of, as it were, taking the fingerprint of a file. The way our service worked, now we call it a blockchain, but the, um, we, we built a chain of blocks and in order to achieve Worldwide consensus, worldwide ag- agreement. Now I'm finally coming back to your question. In order to achieve worldwide agreement on the registration requests that our service had received, once a week, we would compute a, a fingerprint, a, a small string of numbers and letters, string of bits, um, that, uh, that, um, unforgeably and efficiently Summarized the entire week of requests that had preceded it. And we published that in a, um, remember, this was 1995 when we first deployed this service. We achieved worldwide consensus, not only among internet users, because there weren't that many in those days compared to now, the, um, but among, um, all, all interested parties, worldwide consensus on the exact sequence of numbers and letters that was that fingerprint by publishing a small classified ad in the national edition of the Sunday New York Times, which you can find which you c- could buy I have bought the Sunday New York Times in London um, right yeah um, uh, some years ago and in fact um, that weekly event is happening even now, so here's the New York Times from um, about a month ago. I I mean, I I could have brought the one from two days ago, but I I saved this one because it has an especially um, delicious headline. So the lead story says, officials worry as crypto boom invades banking. Perfect. Very frightening, very frightening headline. So now I um, go to the inside
0: page and it's a, it's a classified ad that you've taken out. Just a yeah. once a oh. week ad.
2: Hmm. Oh, boy. I dropped this on the New York Times must be very West.
0: grateful because they're struggling for advertising in the newspaper these well, days. Well, there I you think. go. They, they still get that
1: advertising revenue. But yeah. to Stuart's point, while locating the right page, I just consider it pretense, you know, particularly poetic that this paper is announcing that this thing called crypto is a looming threat to the entire banking infrastructure uh, here's a
2: here's a scary you know scary cartoon of of uh, things that might be bitcoins floating around <laughs> um above in
0: you know classical architecture point kind to of your ad at the bottom would you
2: right so oh. just uh, just above my finger
1: and so there at the very bottom of the ad announcing this crisis unbeknownst to the author the nearly 30 years ongoing uh, evidence that actually started the revolution.
0: And this is the company that you both started called Surety uh, that yes. provided this uh, uh, security uh, system for documents and and goes on till this day, as, as, as you've seen. But just to leap forward in time, when we uh, get to the white paper, your are uh various uh, uh, academic papers are an important part of the idea that Satoshi Nakamoto is putting forward what did you think when you saw what had been done with your ideas and and to what extent did you think oh they he's just taken he or she has just taken what we've done and to what extent were you impressed with the way that uh, the, the ideas had been added to and uh changed around to make something new First of all, I don't ever feel like something is stolen. Once you
1: put it out there into the scientific community, that's the whole idea of a community, is we, we all put stuff into the pot and then see what other highly intelligent people can make of it. So it was terrific in my mind that on top of a foundational layer, Satoshi had this terrific
0: innovation What was the key innovation that was added to the ideas that you came up with?
1: Again, different people would answer that different ways. I'll offer a short one and maybe Stuart will uh, follow. First of all, our ledger was a general purpose ledger. Satoshi decided to make it strictly about the transfer of money from one address, what we now call wallet, uh, to
0: another. Yeah, because you were not really focused on money at all, were you, with your system? Actually,
1: I would say we had global <laughs> scope and ambition. We expected all the world's financial records would be done during, with this system. But in addition, all the world's photographs, all the world's movies. We, so we, we weren't short on ambition. But I think there was um, great insight to limiting it to a very specific use case. Okay. And um the other innovation was creating a terrific set set of economic incentives to incentivize different players to uh hold on to the records and be um have a reason to want to validate and preserve the records.
0: That that was the that was the mining network that you're talking about.
2: Right. The and the um one particular aspect again has to do with with um Hash functions, which, uh, this digital fingerprinting process is, um, is performed by a kind of mathematical function that has some um, magic seeming properties, um, in its, um, unpredictability and random, um, random behavior. And Satoshi was able to take, uh, our exact use of hash functions to string things along well to to boil a bunch of records down into a single fin- fingerprint that is done using the the trick known as the merkle tree due to the um due to the computer scientist um and one of the inventors of public key cryptography in fact
0: ralph merkle he's uh, cited in your papers actually i think isn't he yes it's the basis
2: of uh of what we did and what uh, what's what satoshi did and what in fact every block every Every blockchain system now now fueled it, so Satoshi was able to add to our way of stringing to, stringing blocks together using hash functions the idea of mining is in fact a game played with hash functions and um, the way the way Satoshi put those together and added incentives for everybody to play the game and check on each other's behavior while playing the game was it made the whole thing work yeah it was a great piece
1: not I'm not trying to detract from satoshi but I want to emphasize it's a great piece of social engineering
0: right because he provided he provided the right incentives for everybody to do what he wanted them to do right
2: yes and I
0: I, I just used the
2: word game because I picked it out of the air but of course economists you know there's um there's a field of of, of um of economics, economics and, you know, study of social behavior, that's called game theory.
0: I want to bring this right up to date, if I may, because I, I know that you've got to hurry. Um, when you heard that there was this Australian fellow called Craig Wright, whose name was associated with Satoshi Nakamoto's, what was your response to that? I mean, knowing about the technology behind it, when you heard about Craig, were you more or less inclined do you think than than most people would have been to go along with the claim that was actually originally made for him but then later made by him for his identity with satoshi
1: well, I think that's a that's a little bit of a tough question simply because there have been multiple claimants or those identified, and I guess our my my own feeling is that Having laid the foundational work for blockchain and having witnessed the amazing amount of innovation, both in the Bitcoin space, but also in a, a number of other uh, blockchains, we're just trying to keep the situation a uh, big tent. And so we sort of take no, no official position on, on uh, any of those. We're happy to be friends with all of the people that, uh, at various times, the media have
0: associated with something. Without wanting to draw you into the politics of it, does what Craig says about Bitcoin and the mechanism behind it make sense in terms of your deep understanding of the technology that it's based on? You know, in a word,
2: yes. But as to uh, you know, when the story was coming out, I was... Um you know, I was an interested party reading the newspaper at much more online than on paper in in two thousand uh, you know thirteen. Then, then, um, but I still get this on paper every day. <laughs> in any case, for me, it was the, I had the same emotional reaction at at the time as when I first saw the paper. As Scott and I have been phrasing it in giving talks lately, Satoshi, when putting the whole system together. As a prerequisite, Satoshi needed some way of ensuring the integrity of the records. Satoshi, as you can tell right from the paper, well, and from the code, um, Satoshi knew the literature. He chose the right, he chose what was the right tool for ensuring the integrity of digital records in 1991. It was still the right. It was still the best answer in 2008. Frankly, still is now. As far as, I, I haven't seen a better one.
0: Well, Scott, you talked about the sort of uh, surprise and cleverness of uh, the white paper focusing specifically on a financial system rather than your broader vision. But actually, I think if you uh, know what's going on in the Bitcoin SV world these days, it is broadening out again to almost be the big vision that you described was your original one. Is that? Fair. Yeah, I think that's a fair
1: statement. The thing that I would want to add just to enhance the picture is that we're seeing an explosion of different systems built on top of the basic blockchain. Okay. Um, clearly BSV is trying to move in a direction that goes beyond the original Bitcoin. And yet there are literally dozens of genuinely parallel uh, creative ideas about other ways to move the situation forward. And part of what makes me so excited, as we talked about when we were off camera, about being this old fossil from 25 or 30 years ago, is to see the, the rich flourishing of all sorts of innovative ideas that build on the core blockchain concept. And BSV
0: very much among the leading a possibility, Stuart. Have you got a final thought about um, what being at the being at the BSV conference has uh, inspired or or otherwise in you? Um, it's been great
2: fun. Um, I mean, Scott and I both uh, both uh, met Craig um, uh, just the other day, and uh, we've um, we've enjoyed our conversation. Great conversation uh, uh, with him about both on stage and offstage about all, all sorts of topics, not all of them involving hash functions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and when you when you met each other, did either you or he have a, a question that started, now I've always wanted to ask you this, why you did that, or those kind of questions. Uh, I guess there's been a little of that, but our first meeting again was
1: live in front of a large audience. And so uh, I think it stayed in a more public, uh, uh, domain. Then. And again, as Stuart indicated, we talked about all sorts of things, uh, later that day that had nothing to do with the particulars. You know, when a group of people that are, you know, I, I will include myself, you know, a little bit creative and, and intelligent get together. The discussion goes all over the map. Uh, and we
2: had a great time. Including the map of the world, for that matter, of the conversation, of course.
0: Gentlemen, thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure to speak to you and very interesting. And thank you very much indeed for taking part in the show. Thanks so much. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having us. Scott Stewart, thank you very much and goodbye for now. Many thanks to Scott Stornetta and Stuart Haber. Well, I'm now going to turn this series of shows into a kind of time-stamped blockchain. Because here at the end of this show, I'm telling you that the next one will be with Dave Perrell, the CEO of Compute North, which forms the shows into an immutable, time-based relationship with each other. Or something like that, anyway. Next week, we'll be switching from software to hardware, as I find out how Dave's business services its customers' mining requirements. So please join me again next week. Until then...